right, everybody drunk? Everybody good? <laughs> <laughs> Working on it. All right. All right, here we go. Welcome to the second installment of the Tesla Community Forum on my channel, where I take my community on Patreon and the uh, the folks that join the YouTube channel, and we sit down and discuss the topics that the community wants to talk about. The first one was super, super successful. It was five of us in total, I believe, and it seemed to be a, a very popular thing that we did. And today we have uh, a returning guest from the previous week, and we also have two new guests uh, for this community. So, uh, for this community panel, so I'm very excited to get this kicked off with this awesome crew. What we'll do real quick, we'll go around the horn, we'll give uh, quick introductions, and then we'll get started with our with the topic that the community wants to talk about. So, uh, Rodman, I'll let you go first since you've been uh, here with us before. Give us a, a quick intro, and then we'll take it from there. All right, thanks. Uh, I'm Rodman Lau. Uh, like last time, I'm a software. I was a former software engineer, turned into a full-time, long-term investor. Um, Tesla is my big thing, um, and it's been great. So, how about you, Mike? Uh, I'm Mike. I so I wasn't listening to anything you said. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I was just thinking what I would say. Um, so. I, I started getting into Tesla like right before the Cybertruck thing happened, the reveal. Um, it was uh, through a wait, but why post. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it was new at the time, but I liked that website. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I have a frog in my throat because I'm nervous. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, but anyway, it'll, it'll go away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been following Tesla like adamantly ever since reading about that like why Tesla's the future or whatever the post was called. And um, it was just really good. I don't know. I like, I can't like, I don't know why it's, it's so like interesting to me, but like, I just, yeah. Anyway. And you're also a FSD driver, right? FSD beta driver. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a beta driver and um, um, I'm also doing my own like, like test routes um, and um, doing like, kind of a more in-depth um, rating system. I'm not just counting like the number of interventions and disengagements, but I'm also like uh, rating like how severe the the mistakes were. And even if I didn't in, like do anything, like I didn't disengage or anything, I still will give it a bad rating um, if it like makes you feel uncomfortable or does something awkward. But yeah, um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, and then for work I do like, um, like spreadsheet stuff, like data analysis. Um, it, yeah, so I've been okay. doing some of that. Are you an investor as well, Mike? Yeah. How long have you been invested for? Um, as soon as I could afford to invest, I did. <laughs> it wasn't okay. very long ago, though. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And then uh, Hans, we'll let you go last here, but not least. Last but not least. <laughs> uh, and then if you don't mind, after you give us your uh, introduction, kick us off with the first topic of today. So yeah, my name is Hans Nelson. Um, I got my degree in mechanical engineering, uh, graduated in 2010. And then I did a little bit of work um, in manufacturing after that. And then I went back and worked on a master's degree for a little bit, decided that wasn't the direction I wanted to go long-term. I was trying to get away from management and then ended up in management anyways. Uh, <laughs> But I brought up the, the college experiences. I had one of my classmates from, uh, actually, he was one of the key guys on my senior design team. Um, his name was Daniel Goldman. 
and he was a Californian and he was early, early in the um, Model 3 lineup. He had put his deposit down and got it kind of early on. And that was one of the, one of the first things that kind of got it on my radar. Um, and then I had another classmate that I went to graduate school who went off and worked at SpaceX. So those were kind of two of the, my introductions to Elon and SpaceX and Tesla. Um, so I started following it probably 2014, 2015, a little bit. Um, and I was also, I had started investing in about 2012. I had a little bit of um, a rollover IRA that I wanted to go ahead and start self-managing. And so I was kind of doing some of these things all in parallel and uh, took notice of how the Model 3 ramp was going. I didn't really feel super comfortable investing early, early on. I didn't know anything about Tesla Motors for them. Um, yeah, watching all of Dave Lee's stuff, I feel like I missed out. I wish I had uh, discovered that earlier on. And then, um, yeah, so I think I bought my first shares in 2017. I bought five, uh, just a little bit of play money. I had kind of my strategy when I first started out, just dipping my toes in the water of investing was very oriented around Dave Ramsey's recommendations of mutual funds and diversification and um, I just watched my portfolio do a bunch of nothing from 2012 until about 2015 or 16. And I was like, man, I really want to try kind of broadening my horizons. And it's like, I have no money in here anyway. So if I lose it all, it's not a big deal. And uh, so I started playing with some single stocks, bought Google and Apple back at that time. I ended up getting a pretty quick double on my Google and that was like the first sniff of crack that took me down the rabbit hole of single stock investing. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I just started out with a little bitty position in Tesla. Um, I mean, it was maybe 15, 20% of my portfolio. And uh, <clears throat> then once I was invested in it, I started following it like crazy, watching pretty much every Elon interview that I could get my hands on. And um, yeah super impressed with his ability not only to execute but just think from first principles solve problems do things that everyone else said was impossible uh, I loved the everyday astronaut interview that just dropped where they went up the tower the other day and Elon said that at SpaceX our specialty is turning things from impossible into late so <laughs> I think that's like the such a perfect encapsulation of what Elon is capable of doing. And yeah, now I'm at a point where I'm like 90, 95% Tesla. That's awesome. And thank you for that. Um, all right, kick us off with your topic and then uh, we'll take it from there. Cool. So I think, you know, long-term valuation wise, one of the biggest keys to Tesla is going to be what does the rollout of RoboTaxi look like? Is that something that's possible, probable, you know, kind of what are the, what are the probabilities that we want to assign to that? And then what are timelines? Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about this recently and just really, so, you know, we'll, if we assume that Elon is somewhat correct and we can achieve full FSD beta wide release to the US sometime between the end of this year and the end of next year, 
then I've really been trying to think through, okay, so what does it look like from that point to actual operational robo taxis? Um, and yeah, like there's so many variations of ways that that could progress. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to think through that. And I have some thoughts, but I'm really curious to see what everyone else foresees um, that looking like. And uh, yeah, both, you, know, you could attack it from any way, like technologically, when do we get robo-taxi functionality um, from the market, um, from a regulatory standpoint, just, yeah. Do you want to take a stab, Mike? Yeah, so uh, first thing that comes to mind are some of the common things people say, like, uh, how will it close the doors if someone forgets to close the door? Or like, what happens if someone barfs in it or something? It's like, well, I don't know, like, how does it, like, okay, when there's a driver there, obviously the driver can say, hey, you forgot to close the door. But then the car has speakers, so the car can also talk, potentially. And and so, and then also, like, you can accelerate the car to close the doors. I don't know. Um, but then... Um, and if someone like makes a mess in the car, well, Tesla knows who was in the car last and the next person will notice the mess and report it. Right. And then it, then that car will disappear and new car will pull up and the other person will probably be fined some amount, you know, some, you know, some, some amount that's already pre-agreed upon, you know? So I don't know, all these little things like who will clean it and who will charge it. And it's like, these are small things compared to the big problem, which is the software. Um, as far as software goes, I think, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, it's definitely not physically impossible for software to drive a car. Our brains are kind of a software and they drive cars. Okay. And, um, and FSD beta is, is improving still. So, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I would, I would say that like, if you've looked at the videos of 10.11 and 10.12, well, even just going back before that. Right. So like everything from like last October to like maybe three months ago, was like, you know, a lot of people getting kind of frustrated that it wasn't progressing. And then, you know, they make one, like the 1011 comes out and like everyone's like suddenly back on board, you know. Um, there's just like a lot more videos popping up on YouTube and um, just the FSD drives or like just the rate, the amount of content around it is just shooting through the roof. And the first day I looked at for 10.12 um, videos on FSD, like, the, the videos, like the titles were like, you know, it's amazing. It's great. I mean, it's hard to find. It was hard to find videos that weren't superlative of it. Of course, I've watched videos of like, you know, especially um, like downtown drives and stuff. Um, there, there's ones where, you know, like it's it's going down a one-way street the wrong way. And you're just, you're just like, ah. But um, I mean, that, that's a bad look. But, um, you know, I think. I think overall, you can definitely start to see that, like, you know, the the things that are important where they're trying to tackle those problems, that it's solving those problems. It's getting towards where they want to go. Um, you know, like getting those left turns, which is arguably one of the most difficult problems in the whole self-driving task. I mean, like if if it's able to tackle that, I feel like a lot of the other problems are going to get solved. Like, you know, like someone's complaining, oh, it's pulled up too far or it's like not inching forward enough. I feel like those things are like relatively simple compared to like figuring out where there's oncoming traffic and when it's time to get into the, into the median and like to accelerate out of that, like doing that safely, that's so challenging. And then like all the other stuff, it's like, 
let them focus on the difficult stuff. And then like the easy stuff can like kind of get solved later. So I feel like, I mean, it is, I understand because like as a driver of FSD beta, like I'm not one, but like as a driver, if I were, I would want it to be perfect because I want FSD beta to come out. Right. But um, like, you also have to understand that they can't solve all the problems at once. And they're focusing on like the biggest challenges I, I think that they would have. I mean, I'm not sure because I'm not, I don't work there, but can I, I mean, say, what do you guys think? Yeah. Um, like I definitely, if I, I, I don't have an insight into obviously what the Tesla team's thinking in, inside, but, yeah. but I would be thinking, look, we just want to make sure there's no crashes, you know? So, so like yeah. comfort and like perfection about like little things or like obvious mistakes, the driver, the driver will, will, will fix. Um, and it has ample time to fix as long as it's not like, as long as it's not like a, you know, last second, boom, right, right in the head on traffic or, you know, those kind of serious mistakes that are like, that yeah. are, that are really hard to avoid. Um, as long as they focus on those and prioritize on those, I think it's fine. I feel really safe uh, when I'm driving FSD beta. I, I try to use it almost all the time. Um, there's like a couple little spots where I, I know it doesn't do as well as I like it to. And I just kind of drive that little part, but I like 90% of my driver more is, is on FSD beta. And I, I find it really relaxing and I feel safer with it on. Um, because it's, it's like having two, two sets of eyes on the road. Um, and yeah. it's, it's also, it also helps me be more patient because it's patient. Um, it doesn't try to like, Oh, there's a little gap. I'm going to go. It'll, it'll wait until a nice uh, gap in traffic to go and things like that. So I, I really like it, but yeah, I agree that with what you said there. I think the most interesting thing about the whole full self driving thing is how it's how different it is versus a human driver because safety is the number one priority, right? So, which is weird because I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, okay, when people drive, when you're in a car with somebody, okay? And this this is maybe, maybe I'm projecting the fact that I'm a bad driver, but let me just, let me just walk through this logic, okay? Um, that, that patience word is so interesting because that's 100% right. And a lot of times when, you, when you're in a full self-driving beta car, when the car is doing something that is safe, I look at it as, what, what are you doing? Like, you, what are you waiting for? But it's literally just creeping to make sure that it's not going to hit something. Whereas if I'm going to go through that intersection, I'm going to be like, eh, good enough. I'm going to go, right? So it, it's always prioritizing safety. What's going to be really interesting within that context as as it, it's completed and let's say level four is achieved this year and we start going into, okay, what does adoption look like? I think there's going to be a curve of of people like I'm literally trying to uh, role play through this. Okay. So say safe by some miracle or who knows, maybe it is possible. I, I personally think this is actually a thing, but like say by December, Elon and Tesla say, okay, full self-driving red, it's ready. It's ready for for broad release to everybody who has full self-driving beta uh, or has purchased full self-driving. Here you go. Now, every single full self-driving car can now have so full self-driving, say, say in the United States, like regulatory uh, depending. So let's let's remove Europe. Let's remove China and anywhere else. The United States, everybody gets full self-driving beta. Cool. Everybody there is going to get a software suite that is not going to drive exactly like a human but it's going to be much safer than a human. And within the context of getting you from point A to point B, it's going to be much cheaper than a human, okay? So there's gonna be a learning curve, I believe, 
with with the population that's going to be like okay so i know that tesla okay and then within that context also assume that a robo taxi capability will also be released within a few months after that so like they're like okay cool now you can start we can start doing robo taxi stuff in say uh key cities like la austin i don't know miami those are the three that they get launched weather is usually very good in those three markets we don't have to worry about snow we're good it gets released then what's i think what's going to end up happening is in those markets uh the people that experience full self-driving beta might have like a thing where they're like huh okay so this car's driving me around but it's like doing so in a very safe manner like it's not being super aggressive it's it's different from any other uh driver you would have but you start to notice that oh my god i paid 10 bucks to go from downtown miami to my house 40 minutes away like that's killer you know, and I think that's the that's the equation that's going to start kicking in is that I think the the hesitancy that people have from a behavioral problem will go away because that, that's a lot of what's happening right now. People are like, man, this thing drives weird sometimes. I think that will exist for a really long time because the car is always optimizing safety. But then the cost equation will kick in and people will be like, wow, this is way cheaper than anything else I can purchase. And that's going to be the driving factor for full self-driving in the future, in my opinion. Okay, so like people are going to ignore the the quirkiness and gonna be like, dude, I can, I don't have, I, I don't have to pay barely anything to get to where I want to go, and then that's going to, in the end, when people make decisions, cost ultimately is the biggest driver. And so if Tesla's offering the solution that's cheaper than anything else, it's a, in my opinion, it's going to be a an complete success. I mean, it's it's going to completely transform everything. It, but it's not until that cost equation happens and it's broad availability kicks in as well. So those are my thoughts. I don't know if that helps Hans or anybody else, but I'm curious to, to hear y'all's thoughts. Yeah, I think one of the biggest caveats I would throw in there is just that there's kind of an assumption there that the wide release of FSD beta and RoboTaxi are two things that can happen relatively closely together. But, and that's, that's one of the areas that I have the biggest amount of questions and I can make a, a bull case on why that should happen quickly. And I can make a bear case on why that might take two years yeah. um, based on the evidence that we can see in the drives and um, just the capability of the product. The fact that this is a core focus of, you know, not only just the smartest people at Tesla, but literally probably some of the smartest people in the world between Elon and the FSD team. Um, you know, you can see that they're constantly coming up with creative solutions to solve whatever the next problem is. And I have pretty much full confidence that they'll be able to get there eventually. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's where kind of my questions are because, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big gap. I think you were referencing earlier, Rodman, the, um, Rob Mauer's like downtown drive in Milwaukee when he was going up the one way street, the wrong way. And, um, like there's a lot of like little bitty nuance type things that, yeah, they're not like, they're not a big deal. They're for the most part, not like, yes, he was going the wrong way down the street, but there was no immediate safety danger in that specific instance. It's not doing anything crazy. Um, but the gap between being way safer than a human when you have FSD beta plus a human driver to intervene and then being completely independent, not needing any input from a human in order to provide, I mean, we're talking about RoboTaxi is a service that needs to, you know, in order to meet Elon's quality standards of service to a customer, 
it's going to need really exceptional performance and it's not, it's going to need to not get confused in a lot of the ways that you do see it getting confused and not that, um, you know, those aren't solvable problems, but there's just so many little problems that are all different. And so that's my question. Um, and so like on the bear case, what I could definitely see is that every single one of those nines and the march of nines towards both safety and performance, not just, um, yeah, you might be able to get a bunch of nines of safety in, or a bunch of nines in safety, but then your performance, as far as how many times does it need a human to intervene in order to get the robo taxi to provide good service to the customer, that's kind of a different dimension. Um, and so, you know, having to go through a cycle like, I'm almost thinking about each of those as possibly being its own local maximum that, okay, we're going to like today we have to solve getting confused about one way streets. And then tomorrow we have to solve um, what do I do when I run into an unexpected part of the map where all of a sudden I'm trapped and I can't get out. Um, And you have to solve each one of those problems. And then those problems are going to be different for literally every geography. So like, the U.S. is going to be its own beast. Um, to a certain degree, each major metropolitan area is going to be its own beast. India is going to be a completely whole different mess. Um, Europe is going to be its thing. Africa is going to be its thing. Um, so each one of those things just like extends the length of time that it takes in order for this to be maybe a internationally possible service. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, on the flip side, like the bull case is they could totally dedicate a small team and start in Chandler, Arizona and San Francisco and go head to head with Waymo. And like, we're going to just start providing the service in a very geofenced area. Um, you know, RoboTaxi will be not geofenced or not RoboTaxi, sorry, FSD beta will be not geofenced. Any customer who has the car can totally drive wherever they want. But as far as robo taxi functionality, we're going to geofence this into an area. We're going to iron out all the kinks. Um, and then we're going to start tackling geography by geography as we expand robo taxi. Um, you know, I think either one of those scenarios is completely possible, but they definitely uh, pose different scenarios for how the market will perceive the future of the company and assign value to Tesla. Yeah, I think you're like trying to assign a value is probably one of the most difficult things that like anyone could try to do right now. Like, you know, like Wall Street, you know, they barely or like there's just so few people that will even touch it. Right. Um, you know, like Pierre Faragou, like he hasn't like he's like, I mean, he'll say he doesn't really know. And everyone, I mean, no one knows. Right. And I think the only people who really know or have a better inkling of what's going to happen is Tesla. And so we can only take what they've said. And, you know, this idea that they're going to build instead of the $25,000 car, um, what I ca- like to call, you know, the Model Q, um, it, it's not going to, I mean, re- replacing that with like some other car that's purpose built for robo taxi. I mean, that just makes the most sense. And, you know, if if Elon sees that this is coming, like there's no reason to believe that he's not putting the resources necessary behind to get that in place. Um, you know, he says, oh, it's going to be done this year. So, 
he's probably planning to get a car out within that year, you know, um, it, two years at most, you know, and maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to figure out where they would like actually create it and like where that would be manufactured and stuff. But I mean, I think, I think Austin is probably the likely place that that would happen. Yeah. But I think there's also, Oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Go ahead. I think oh, you're muted, Mike. I was muted. Um, so, um, so you said far as that, um, that, uh, you think cost will be the thing that, that kind of, uh, gets people on board, um, being more patient with the way, um, the car drives, but I think, uh, also, well, for, if you're an owner of the car, I don't, I don't know if cost is really a factor, right? Cause you, you can sit in the driver's seat and take over whenever you want. If it's being too patient and you're feeling impatient, you're in a hurry, you take over and you know, there's no, there's no cost associated with that unless maybe you have Tesla insurance and there's some kind of, you get some kind of discount for letting the car drive. Like when it's at the point where it's constantly driving better than, than humans are. Um, and, and it knows that when you do take over, you take very risky maneuvers. And so it, it would say like, it maybe penalize or reward kind of um, letting the car, maybe sitting in the passenger seat and just letting the car um, be a robot taxi for, for you as the owner or something. Like, I don't know, maybe that happens right before robot taxis happen. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think there's the, I think there's also like a context thing too, because what you're speaking about is for everybody who owns, like when I think, when I think full self-driving, I always think about, I always think about it. It's synonymous with the robot taxi network where everyone has access to the tech. I'm not thinking about it from a, I'm not thinking about it necessarily from a context of like of the owners that buy full self-driving. I'm thinking robot taxi network, like who, like what is the thing that's actually going to take Tesla's valuation to 10x from today or 100x, God knows where it could be, right? It's the fact that everybody has access to experience full self-driving and that would be the robo-taxi network, right? So I always think about within that context for full self-driving. I think the the segment of people who are buying Teslas to experience, to have full self-driving uh, as a feature, I think that is a very, very, very small percentage of what the actual value of RoboTaxi is, which is the entire fleet becoming basically an Uber replacement, okay? Um, and then if, if I think about it from that point and I try to contextualize, okay, like how likely is it, like how fast can the speed of the RoboTaxi network coming online, uh, like what, what does that mean? I, I keep going back to the fact that Tesla has, and again, I'm trying to be as non-biased as possible because I, I, I'm probably the most biased person. I probably have the most biased brain just because of how long I've been following the company and the fact that I work there. So I'm trying really, really hard to break that. And this is why th these forums are so helpful. But I don't I always... know that this forum is going to help with that. <laughs> <laughs> we need Gordon Johnson in here. Maybe next time we'll bring him on. Uh, that'd be amazing. By the way, if he listens to this, do you have an open invitation? I'm not even kidding. I would love to talk to the guy. I really would. I think that'd be a super fun discussion. Uh, yeah, it'd be good for entertainment at least. Um, you think about Is the, the discussion this... when you know exactly what he's going to say, though. Yeah, I mean, it's we know we'll get we'll get to know each other a little bit. I that I always wonder about it too because I feel like I feel like a lot more people have more in common with him than they think. It's just he's so vocal about the bear case and he makes himself look a certain way when he does that that it's. It's almost comical and like my running joke on Twitter, like when people say like, yo, get Gordon Johnson on your channel, I'm like I'm not ready to bring on comedians yet to the channel. You know, that that's like my response, but I'm also, also just poking fun at the guy. But anyway, um, 
you, you think about so so what is the limiting factor for Tesla to have a full robotaxi network? And all of all everybody know all of us know this is data. It's data, 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 right? And so if and then the other the other um, thing to also think about this is how I think about Tesla's ability to get robotaxi up and coming as soon as possible is the fact that when Tesla and Elon have a goal and they put it in place, kind of the quote that you said, they, they're never on time, but they often, if always, achieve that goal, but it's always late. So within that context, it's okay. So if Tesla has the the a plan to get to ten mil, uh, a million robotaxi, sorry, a million full self-driving beta users by the end of 2022, that's essentially 10x the data capability, uh, the, the data that's coming into the company from, from exceptions or whatever on an already uh, further optimized software base that's going to be making less errors, okay? So it's you're expanding your user base 10 times to catch the smallest of the smallest things because by the time you get to the end of the year, theoretically you would have a software seat that suite that's going to be significantly better than we have today. If you if you go back 1 year from from now, if you go back to 2021 May of last year and you look at it now, you look at those videos, the software is completely different. It's a completely different software. Fast forward another year at 10x the user base of, of data. And where my brain goes is like, okay, so it's just a matter of time. So who cares if it's 2023 or 2024? Tesla is going to be the only one that's going to get there, in my opinion. No other, no other company is going to be able to get even close. So I almost remove the time variable out of the equation. And I'm like, okay, if I, if I feel like this is going to happen, like... I feel like the timing almost doesn't matter. And it might be like almost like a non-answer to your question, Hans, but like I always think about it that way. I'm like, who cares when it comes? It's going to come well before anybody else anyway, you know? Well, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, like, and I'm not as, that's the beautiful thing about being a long-term investor is, is as long as we have confidence that it's going to happen, we don't have to worry about the time. And that's one of the, you know, not financial advice, but that's one of the reasons that I love Tesla stock personally is because like Rodman said, you know, none of the analysts are assigning any value to RoboTaxi right now. The market cap can be completely justified by a reasonable PE ratio on 2023-2024 earnings. Um, and so this is basically like a free call option. And if personally I'm assigning an 80 or 90% likelihood that they will solve, even if not RoboTaxi, but they will solve full self-driving um, whether or not they turn that into a service, just full self-driving by itself has so much value to provide to customers that it's, I mean, a no-brainer that the amount that they can juice their margins with software revenue is incredible. Um, and so, yeah, like from that standpoint, it doesn't cause me to question my investment thesis. But I just want to think through like, you know, what are the likely scenarios and, you know, what kind of other arbitrage um, opportunities does that reveal in, you know, maybe shorter term plays? There was one thing I want to throw out there too, like just on that. I had a conversation with Corey from Monroe Live on Wednesday. I want to say it was, yeah, it was released Thursday, but I had it on Wednesday. And one of the things he threw out there too is that Tesla could theoretically bring out, so when we think about RoboTaxi, in this context, it would be purely a play that's for cities as well. So it's kind of like a Waymo type thing 
that is a um, four to six seater facing each other, no steering wheel, no no pedals. Uh, the safety standards will be completely different because it'll be speed capped. It won't have access to the highways, but theoretically it would be able to serve uh, like cities, essentially, you know, think New York or whatever. So I wonder how that plays into that timeline as well, because if they're already working on that, theoretically, if they're, I think he openly said that they were working on some sort of robo taxi and the $25,000 car and the robo taxi sound like two different cars. So is robo taxi the car for the United States specifically, that's going to be like a Waymo competitor that's going to be released in every single city. And if that's the case, maybe the timeline for that is way sooner than we think, because the only way to really get that thing, the data it needs, because it has a, the cameras are going to be placed differently. That thing may go live, I don't know, freaking in a beta test next year, potentially. Right. So how does yeah. that look like within the context of the timeline as well? I want to throw that out a, there as well. A really quick question kind of on like, just a little bit of a different perspective on that. Are either of you familiar with test loop or any, yeah, Mike Rodman, yeah. Farzad? I remember that they made a, an economic case why robo taxi or FSD was not going to be um, implemented first in cities that it was actually going to like, there's an economic case to be made that like intercity travel in between cities. So LA, San Francisco, um, you know, trips out to Reno and stuff like that's where they made all their money. Um, so that's one of the things that I was specifically thinking about when Corey made that point is, I mean, it's definitely, there's a huge economic case as far as, um, the TAM of robo taxi in a city, it's much larger than the TAM for traveling between cities. Um, but yeah, I was curious about like, you know, is that really going to be the first massive use case that we see or is Tesla correct in that it's going to be a little bit different use case? Because just think about how much easier your um, FSD drive is on the interstate. Like that's so much easier of a problem to solve and a place to start. Um, and then like you're, because you're traveling at such a high rate of speed, you're collecting such you know, a much higher amount of revenue per mile traveled in that scenario as well. Uh, you know, there's just interesting uh, dynamics in in thinking about it from a different different perspective. Yeah, I would just say that you, you oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I agree. Yeah, I would think you still have to solve the local streets problem, even if like the majority of your stuff is on the on the freeway and going back to like what uh Corey said um from monroe like he was saying that he didn't think that there would actually be a dedicated vehicle that would come out um and I, yeah i just like that's just kind of contrary that's kind of contrary to what you know like elon said at the last meeting so i, I really do think that there's a purpose-built robo taxi vehicle you know, like they're going to save so much costs if they redesign the vehicle from the ground up for like robo taxi, because, you know, like you said, you're not going to have to have like great, like off the line performance. You're not going to have to have, you know, all these things that attract a buyer of a car. You just want to get people from A to B. And there's so many first principle optimizations you can make for that vehicle. It just, I, I would be really surprised if it didn't have, if, if it wasn't a purpose-built robo-taxi vehicle. And the big question, I think, to get into the next topic is sort of like why Tesla is hoarding money. And like another good point that um, Dave Lee and um, 
James Duma, they had a conversation yesterday and they were saying, you know, like instead of like people want Tesla to take all their excess cash, the free cash flow and start putting it into like propping up the price or whatever, um, or uh, share buybacks. But I think, you know, having this big balance could set up Tesla so that they can create this robo taxi fleet where, you know, you don't have to, um, you, you, you can just pay for it yourself and then start amortizing that cost. And then through, and then when you start getting paid back, you know, like you wouldn't have that if you didn't have, you wouldn't be able to like produce all those vehicles if you didn't have all that cash. So I don't know. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, but I do think from a data perspective, the city solving city makes a lot more sense because highways already solved. If you really think about it, in a way, right? We're pretty damn close because the navigator yeah. on autopilot, like you said, is so so smooth and so easy, and it's actually a much more relaxing experience than you having to fight with a bunch of people on the highway trying to kill you, right? So, um, so I think I think. Tesla, the way, at least from my experience, Tesla always solves the need and then the profit comes after that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure that the strategy for them would be let's launch, let's launch RoboTaxi as a uh, city to city thing first, basically like a slower hyperloop is how I would think about it, right? Like the Tesla thing you just talked about. But I think, I think from, I think they will try to solve the data question first i think what they would optimize whatever that is to solve the data solution because in their mind that's the thing that's going to help them get this thing uh as adopted as humanly possible so we can reduce as many deaths as humanly possible so and, and it becomes a net benefit for society and you remove all the gas burning fuel burning vehicles out the road because now you're taking all the pollution out of cities and since they've already solved the highway piece that's just theoretically within that context there's no sort of thing as an easy as an easy switch but it would be an easy switch for them to flip right because they already are kind of there already but the, but the cash the cash question is fascinating too within that context because within like what what are they doing <laughs> what are they doing with this all this cash for real that that's such a that's such a great question and is that is that the next topic rodman that you want to you want to kick us off with is that what you were going towards yeah 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 i was just yeah yeah i don't, I don't know i think the biggest problem i see with investors um and i mean it's because a lot of people have a lot of money in this company and i, I definitely get where it's coming from but you know people have their own desires or their own motives, motivations behind trying to keep the price up because we all want to see our account values high. But like, if you think about it from that perspective, if we're if Tesla is making decisions based on trying to keep investors happy instead of thinking long term about what it should do with that cash, you know, I mean, you just have to think that Tesla knows what they're doing and they have more information than we do, and that they're doing what's right in the long term with that cash. And it's hard to see that because we don't have any insight into it. But like, that's where my heart's at. Like, I feel like it's like, no, I don't want, I don't want share buybacks. I want growth, right? I want long-term growth. And if they're doing stuff like share buybacks, 
and that's the best thing that they can do, then I think that they would have done it. Um, but trying to push for it, you know, like you're, you're playing a short-term game and they're playing a long-term game. So maybe this, like, if that's what you want, maybe you're in the wrong stock is my thinking. What do you guys think? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. But also, like, let's say the RoboTaxi thing is delayed a year or two. They might, if the stock price is still low, they might buy back the stocks, keep them for a year or two. And then once the RoboTaxi thing goes live, then the stock price will be higher, hopefully. And then they'll sell, they'll, they'll, they'll get the cash back and then, and then start using that towards building their own, like owning their own RoboTaxis. Yeah, I mean, I think there is always a point where, you know, if the stock were to dip so low that it really does start to make a little bit of sense. I don't know if we're there or not. Um, but, you know, I think that's kind of irrelevant long-term. Elon has made it very clear that he does not care about short-term bags, yours, his, or anyone else's. Like, he is definitely thinking long-term. And if, you know, as a long-term investor, you're willing to trust him with your capital, he has proven himself, you know, over any sort of long-term time frame. whether you want to give it to him for three years, five years, 10 years, like he will make you a ton of money. Um, and yeah, like you said, Robin, the only way that he can do that successfully is by not caring about what the short-term sentiment on the company is going to be. And, you know, sometimes he gets frustrated about people that think that way. Um, Cause it's just, yeah, like it's not aligned with the long-term best interests of humanity either. Like, and I think that's one of the things that frustrates him about it so much is the closer we look at just stuff at the end of our nose, like the more likely we are to do dumb things that actually are a net, um, not benefit to humanity. So yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, I think the way I think I 100% agree there too, Hans, I think the uh, Tesla hoarding cash and giving it back to investors or giving it back to investors is literally the opposite of how Elon thinks about using capital. Like he wants to use money to further humanity in some way. And so if we're in a world, so even within the context of building out a robo taxi network yourself, that's going to be a, a flywheel that the more you, the more robo taxis you own, the more money you're going to make. So even under that scenario, you're going to have so much free cash flow. It's going to be completely mind boggling. So where my head goes to is, okay, what are new industries that Tesla could get himself, could get themselves into that we're not even thinking about that that cash is going to be used for to further this? Like, are there auxiliary or, um, sort of industries that are at the periphery of moving us to a sustainable future that we're not thinking about today, that it becomes a no-brainer for Tesla to get into because they have the cash, okay? So things like, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about Tesla, I don't know, the phone, who knows? He said no, right? The Neuralink is the thing, so maybe yeah. we throw that out. But like housing was one that was brought up. Like where my head goes to is like, what are the things that are needed for Mars? Okay, what are the things that are needed for Mars that have to exist that we're not building yet where there's a market for that on Earth that Tesla can use its cash for 
in preparation for using those things on Mars. And that's how I think about that free cash flow question. I, I don't know. I don't know if that helps sort of like frame I mean, that in any way. Yeah. That my mind goes to is to just double down like solar has been put on the back burner for so long. <clears throat> and that as the cash ramps up, like he has the complete capability and he's talked about how the entire United States can operate on a few square miles out in the middle of Nevada somewhere. Like there is a potential that he's got enough free cash flow to just start building huge solar installations. And especially when you think about the long-term testing requirements of solar roof, I know they've you know done some very small residential installations on solar roof that they're kind of monitoring, but you know, one easy thing is, hey, let's just go build a crap ton of these solar roofs somewhere and we're just going to own them and we're going to watch their performance and we're going to keep iterating on them in an agile way, just continue to install more and more and more of them. Um, and then if they want to do the same thing for solar panels, um, you know, I think they have, like they could bring online a lot of solar production capacity Um probably a lot faster than they could bring online production for the battery storage necessary for that. So that's kind of the one area where I wonder if they would, you know, basically build out the solar installations ahead of being able to supply those installations with the battery storage necessary. Um, but yeah, to me, that's the thing that makes the absolute most sense. You know, you need that for Mars. Uh, we need that for a transition to sustainable energy faster. Um, and it's not, yeah, like it blows my mind when people think that Elon's going to waste time trying to compete with Apple. Like he doesn't care about that at all. And yeah, so I think that's the first thing, like I said, that my mind goes to on a place that he could spend money that's super aligned with the company, building on progress they've already made um, and accelerating the mission. And, and you know, we, we haven't... Think. We haven't thought about, we haven't talked about Tesla bot, you know, like maybe the, maybe all that cash is going to go towards just building a, a huge amount of Tesla bots and, and then they can use the same kind of data approach to just say, you know, we need 50,000 or 100,000 Tesla bots so that they can learn as quickly as possible a fleet of Tesla bots. <laughs> so that, that could also be part of the plan. I don't know. And then there's yeah. also, he's also ex uh, expressed interest in, you know, like electric flight. So, uh, but like going back to Tesla bot, yeah, I think you, there's no way to really understand like how much like costs are coming up, especially if they're going to try to ramp up a robotaxi fleet, a, a robo, uh, the Optimus fleet. Um, yeah, like asking for cash back, uh, yeah, just, <laughs> I just don't, yeah, trust them. Yeah. To expand on what you said, Mike, um, you know, I do think that people are also underestimating how important RoboTaxi is to Elon. In my mind, I think that is his direct answer to his fears about population collapse. Like population collapse is a huge threat right now to society. Um, and but the question is, why is it a threat? Well, it's because there's not enough labor to produce the stuff, to keep expanding the economy. And, you know, when you're in a shrinking economy, then you have a lot of expanded risk for conflict. 
And so ultimately what you need is a growing economy. So if you have a shrinking number of humans and you want a growing economy, you have to increase both the productivity per person, but you know, maybe you just circumvent the entire um, need for humans to be the labor input that grows the economy in the first place. And, and you go all in with, um, yeah, with Optimus subprime Tesla bots. So yeah, like I think you hit it right on the head, Mike, as far as like, that's a huge, <clears throat> both it's a huge priority for Elon, but it like, it's a huge mitigation to existential risk to the light of human consciousness and, you know, the survival of humanity. It's, it's so, it's so mind blowing that this is even a discussion in the first place. Like that, that's really like the thing that I'm grappling with. Like that, that is such a good point from both of you. It's such a good point. And, and I wonder how much of AI day two this year is trying to accelerate that, you know? Cause even I think when Dave Lee replied to one of his tweets saying, Hey, are we going to get a bot demo and, uh, or like a sneak peek? And he said, yes, that surprised the hell out of me big time. Cause I'm like, okay, dude, let's take it. It's August. And you said, you know, we might, I think his quote earlier this year or last year was, you know, we might have a, uh, you know, we're going to aim to have a prototype of bot by the end of 2022, you know, sometime in 2022 with uh, production in 2023. I'm like, okay, the bot's coming in 2025. That's where my head went to. Right. And then he's like, oh no, yeah, we're, we, we're going to have a sneak peek on, in August. I'm like, what? What do you mean? What does that mean? Okay, but but maybe I'm jumping the gun because that might mean, you know, here's here's how we're going to uh, build it. And here's the component tree. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here's how we're going to train it. You know, great. But then if like, oh, and by the way, here's a live demo of that. That marks a point, I think, that's going to, that's exactly related to exactly what you both of you have said. And at that point, the if you thought the freaking uh, um, analysts are struggling with modeling FSD, like this whole, th this is going to be, I mean, we've talked about it many times before, but it starts becoming a reality. You know, it starts becoming a reality. And given that Elon is has been so passionately talking about population collapse as of late, and the way you've contextualized Hans, the fact that the bot is a direct solution to that because of the many different factors you can have from population collapse, which truly are their civilization, civilization ending events. They really are. They, these are like super, super existential. And Elon always thinks in existential context, you know, everything he does is existential. It's just mind blowing that we might be there way quicker than we think. And you know, this my, my bias again. Oh my God, super Tesla fanboy. But like, like if we see a demo this August, what's going to happen? And then the 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 free cash flow question now has a now has a solution. It's not stock buybacks. It's funding the prevention of <laughs> of societal collapse. <laughs> you know, right. it's crazy. But like, if you if you feel like that, it's unrealistic. There's actually precedent. Like if you just look at Starship, right? Like three years ago, like like when he started putting like together like pieces and you're you were just like, what the like it was just so mind boggling. Like who you like there's just no precedent for a project that big 
like just going up and like, like a couple days, it's like, okay, I'm going to start building one. And then he starts iterating, right. Just right off the bat. So, you know, to expect this, like, if there is something to expect it to be as good as what it's going to be. No, but it, there could be something and there's precedent for that. And like, I mean, I'm trying to keep down my expectations, but like, yeah, I, I will not be completely floored if, if there is some kind of prototype, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be very rudimentary. It's going to be, um, it's going to be like the first iteration, but you know, 50 iterations down the line, it's going to be something that's interesting. Right. What do you guys think? I mean, I don't know. I think 50 is a lot, but I mean, they iterate so fast. So that could, that could be like a year or two. <laughs> so far as yeah. I was like, just two days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, bro. It's done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, and then um, I remember Warren Redlick, he has a YouTube channel and he, he, um, and you interviewed him, right? Um, you, he was saying, he was asking people on Twitter, like, do you think like if, if Tesla sold the Tesla bot for, I don't know, was it 50,000 or 40,000 or something dollars, would you have it like do chores around the house so that it could, so that Tesla could collect more data and then maybe one day over you know, with an over-the-air update, uh, your Tesla bot will be worth a lot and it'll do all the chores and, and a bunch of other things, go shopping for you and whatever else. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, all these things are possible and we're not really, it's kind of something we don't talk about much right now because we haven't seen a prototype. And so it's kind of a pie in the sky idea. But if, if we see a prototype in August, I just really look forward to the kind of discussions that'll be happening after that. Anyway. Dude, I can tell you right now, the killer use case for Optimus Subprime as a babysitter. Like, yeah, that would be crazy. Dude, babysitter, and then you got all the robo-taxis driving the parents to and from bars, going out getting drunk. <laughs> like, Tesla will be like the party facilitator, you know? <laughs> oh, so that's that's Elon's second solution to population collapse. Dude. Get everybody drunk and take care of their kids. Exactly. You know? I mean, it, it really is like, like the question becomes like, why do we even have population collapse? You know, why, why is it the case that less people are having children and is and is Elon actively trying to solve that problem? You know, we, we talked about the bot being the labor solution, but at the same time, I don't think you want to end up in a place where you have you have the, the bot population uh, is becomes larger over time versus the human population. I don't know if that's a good thing. Is that a good thing? Right. Uh, then we start talking about that as well. And so is Elon thinking about also increasing the human population as well? Like, is that part of the equation, you know? But like, it, it, in a world where uh, labor becomes uh, handled by robots, will humans become more uh, willing to bring children into the world where they feel like they can provide a future for those children, you know, like I'm 35, my wife and I don't have kids, but we want to have a family. We want to start a family here pretty soon. But why are people having less kids? And I know there's been studies around like the, the, the more affluent a, a civilization becomes or people become the less kids they have over time. But why? Do, why is that? I don't know if anybody has any insight into that, but like, why is that? Have you ever watched Idiocracy? No, but I, I heard that's a oh my gosh. thing to watch. It's a, it's a really great explanation on why. Okay. So basically, the smarter you get, like the more you can think through all the reasons why you can't have kids or don't want to have kids or want to postpone having kids. Like, you know, I got to make more money so that I can 
provide a stable future. And then, yeah, like the people that aren't worrying about all those things are just having all kinds of kids. So yeah, the, there's definitely a dynamic that goes there, but I think that yes, um, Elon is definitely thinking about that problem. And I think that's part of what he's talking about when he says, you know, I want to create a future that people can be hopeful about or get excited about. Like, I think that's one of those factors is that, you know, as a society becomes more affluent um, and as they have more options, if they don't feel like the future is an exciting place, then like the intelligent decision is, Hey, if the future is going to be, hard and scary like i don't want to subject my kids to that so i'm not going to have as many kids um and so a world where the future is exciting you know helps to mitigate that and i mean for me personally i would say that two of the things that have inspired the most awe in me were um the falcon heavy landing hoppy and then watching Starship stick that landing finally and not explode. Yeah. I mean, even the one that stuck the landing and did explode. Um, like, there's just this sense of incredible, like, you know that this is a moment in history that not just people 50 years from now, but, like, literally generations from now could look back at that, you know, somebody living on Mars 150 years from now, or, you know, assuming we make it to other solar systems, like thousands of years from now can trace their life back to the moment when multiplanetary travel became possible. Um, and so that's just such a huge, like, I don't think people really grasp the significance of that for the moment. But going back to your question, Farzad, like, like, how old were you when you got married? If I can ask. Uh oh my God, uh, twenty sixteen. So that was six years ago. I'm thirty five, twenty nine. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of it is people pushing off marriage, pushing off having kids for careers. Like I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm I'm in my late forties. Um, I didn't, my second kid was in my forties. My first was in my late thirties. Um, you just don't have enough time to, to have as many kids. It's more difficult, especially here in LA. A lot of our friends are two or one child, um, families. There are three, but like, you know, having an Elon with seven kids or is it eight now? I don't know. Like that just doesn't happen. Like <laughs> actually. Um, there's some communities where they are very, a lot of children, but um, I think it's just, it's difficult. Like you have to have a lot of resources. Uh, you want the best for your kids. You don't want to split all your resources amongst like a lot of children, right? There's a lot of things like that. I think, I don't know. Like, do you guys have married children? No. Yeah, so I'm married, um, and my wife and I are foster parents. So that's uh, that's been the path for us. We so we were realized we weren't able to have kids uh, without doing IVF, and that was just a decision that we made was to try and provide 
homes to children that didn't have them. And then we'll see, you know, hopefully there's an adoption in the future, but it's a very uncertain potential outcome. It's a beautiful thing you guys are doing, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank That's you. great stuff. It, Absolutely. I think there was a there was a, another thing about the free cash flow question too, where Elon very recently had a um, had a tweet around he. So I think uh, what's his name Omar from Whole, Whole Mars blog tweeted and he said um, Elon told you guys the stock price is gonna it, it's it's too high and now that it's too high blah 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 you know like Omar likes to crack jokes and kind of has his own tone which I appreciate but then Elon came in and he replied and said. You know, it's true, but there is, but, well, oh my God, let me, let me actually quote him uh, exactly because there was something within the context of becoming a uh, energy provider that yet again might be a clue into how Elon is thinking about uh, the free cash flow question and what they're going to do with all that oh, cash. Yeah. Um, let me just uh, give me a hot second. And I'll try to fill in the air as I do that. So I don't have to edit this part out, but I probably will have to because this is a very poorly planned. Uh, let me tell a joke as I do this. Uh, come on, where are you? Damn it. All right, let me let me try to quote it uh, off the top of my head. But essentially, he said something like, if if you think about um, X, if, if uh, Tesla's market cap uh becomes larger than saudi exxon's or saudi Aram aramco something like that anyway like he was putting it within the context of an energy generation sort of company i think i found yeah. it okay what, what is it um, yeah homar said um bro he told you the stock price was too high he told you recession was coming why'd you ignore and then get mad at him lol and then elon says indeed i did however I also think that Tesla has the potential to be the most valuable company ever. When Tesla's market cap making sustainable energy products exceeds that of Aramco um, producing fossil fuels, you know that the future will be good for Earth. Yeah, so that was like an interesting comparison, right? So when I, whenever I read whenever I read his tweets, I'm trying to say, okay, what is Elon thinking about that made him write that tweet? So he used the context of a uh, a fossil uh, an oil producer okay so is that where his head is at right now when he's thinking about what's the thing that's going to get tesla to largest company ever is it going to be the energy generation aspect of it versus the cars or whatever else that's happening in the near term and what's the time scale that he's thinking about that's going to happen you know and the fact that he used that as a comparison was interesting so i just want to throw it out there as, as yeah as a, as a quick topic before we move on to the next one you got me thinking if Tesla's a huge energy provider, and then on top of that, they are the best at turning that energy into useful things, useful goods and services and labor and things like that, then that's like a double whammy, right? It's like they're the best at producing the energy and then the best at utilizing that energy. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, you it's exactly right i mean he's said like if you've been following for a while he's been saying for a long time that you know the, the energy company the energy side of tesla could be as big as uh the, the car side and we just haven't seen that yet people are kind of waiting for it but i mean you know it's not going to be easy but like maybe we are seeing it with like all the battery 
um, uh, the battery plants, uh, backup plants are coming up. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Han, do you have anything? Yeah, I, um, no, I a hundred percent agree on that. And because there's a huge degree to which the world economy is, uh, like energy cost is a constraint on the size of the world economy. And so, you know, I think the way that ARC, a lot of times they talk about the elasticity of demand, that if you can reduce the cost of energy, then you probably, by say by half, you probably quadruple the amount of energy demand at that price. You know, it's not a linear correlation there. Um, and so if Tesla can get to the point where they can produce just an incredible amount of energy, they can meet the full demand, um, you know, they, for every whatever incremental reduction in energy price that they can achieve, they just unlock more and more and more demand. Um, and so in that way, like you can almost say that there is an unlimited demand for the energy that they can bring to the market at a price that is below whatever fossil fuels are. And when you look at Wright's law and the ability of a, an economy of scale to continue to reduce the price of energy production over the course of the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, um, you know, that's just an incredible win not only for Tesla as a company, but for humanity as a whole. You know, if you can provide electricity to remote villages in Africa, and at the same time, you can provide them with Starlink internet access, you know, at prices that they can actually reasonable, like you, you give them through the internet, a potential to be a contributor to the world economy. And then give them free, you know, energy that supports their ability to do that at a cost that they can more than afford. You know, this is just another way that like literally the size of global GDP 50 years from now could make today's GDP look like peanuts. Yeah. So I guess another thing we could talk about um, is this is kind of going towards like some of the 4680 stuff that we've been talking about. Um, you know, if, if you can Actually, get, if they can build. I have one more question kind of related to before we leave the topic of, um, you know, things that they can spend their free cash flow on to uh, basically, I, you know, I think whatever Elon views as a bottleneck, either for the company or for humanity is where they'll end up spending that money. But one of the things that he used to say repeatedly that I haven't heard him mention in a long time that I still have a, a few lingering questions on is just talent acquisition. You know, they keep doing these um, AI day events and other things, and they're always billed as recruiting. And Elon used to say that, you know, there's not a factory that just sits there and spits out world-class engineers that he can use to solve all these technical problems that he's trying to work on. Um, and so I know that that has been a constraining factor. It seems like there are things that they're kind of doing in that arena currently, 
but it's mostly focused on recruiting and not necessarily focused on increased essentially production of engineering talent. Um, so I'm curious what y'all think, and then especially Barzad with your experience inside the company, like, is that something that seems like a constraining factor when you work there? And is it something that Elon needs to or should or is investing brain cycles and money into? Yeah, I mean, I, I can throw my two cents. Oh, Sorry, Rodman, go ahead. I was just asking, are you asking if there's a Texas Institute of Technology and Sciences coming? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, I mean, I, I know Elon has talked about education before, you know, uh, it goes back to the free cash flow question. Could Tesla get into education somehow? I don't freaking know. Uh, is that somehow tied to the plan of like moving us towards a sustainable future? And if the bottleneck is talent and then education in a in way fixes that, right? I think, I think the interesting thing about Tesla is that, um, I still believe that most, most people, most, most of Tesla's talent still hasn't been hired yet. And it doesn't need to be trained. They just haven't made it to the company yet because they are, they are a global company, uh, and they're becoming more global as we go through it. And it, as long as Elon and his team have the same sort of culture embedded in the company, I'm not really concerned about them getting the right talent because Tesla, in a way, turns you into that. You know, it's almost like the, the one the one thought that I always had. It's becoming more and more prevalent the longer I'm away from the company. Is or is Tesla exceptionally good at hiring the right talent or, or, is, or is Tesla exceptionally good at getting people in the door that happen to be most people and then giving them, giving them a mission that they are passionate about and that automatically makes them uh, much more talented. Essentially, they bloom into who they're supposed to be, okay? Um, I, I think I think if, the, if there is a real bottleneck around getting people in the door that's that is the right level of talent right level of background i think elon will solve that by getting into education somehow or partnering with certain schools and funding them and getting them the correct training and uh approaching things you know like the whole first principle standpoint and really trying to get them in a mentality that's going to allow them to be successful at those companies which theoretically would also allow them to be uh successful at other companies as well but uh, i'm not so sure that's a bottleneck yet I'm not so sure. You know, I'm not so sure it's going to be for a long time. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, it, that's how I think about it. Does, it does, and it also just I want to personally thank both you and Joe Justice for really bringing this specific um, insight about the company to the public. Um, you know, the discussions that y'all have had both together and separately about the culture inside, um, and then the way that Joe talks about the agile methodology and the way that Elon has implemented that inside of, you know, both Tesla and SpaceX, I'm sure also in Neuralink and the boring company, like the effect that that has on the creativity and productivity of the workforce seems to be pretty incredible. Um, yeah. I love your story about the janitor that worked with yeah. you at the warehouse and his ability to contribute like a massive, thing to the company uh, to be able to increase what, what was it throughput 
uh, yeah. material or what was yeah. the, yeah. Yeah, it was like 20% um, or something, which is significant. That's a big freaking oh, number. Oh yeah, that's huge. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I think that that's something that it also is completely underappreciated by the market, probably underappreciated by 95% of even Tesla investors. Um, something that I couldn't see from the outside, um, until y'all started talking about it. So yeah, I really appreciate bringing that forward. Of course. Yeah. I think on the last discussion, we, 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 the culture was the machine that builds the machine that builds the machine, you know? And yeah, I, I thank you for saying that. And I'm, and I'm, that, that was one of the primary reasons why I even started the channel was because I felt like I had some knowledge that I could share. Um, and the fact that there's value in it is great. So I appreciate that. Yeah. What, what does everybody else think? Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I don't know. Do you, do you, should we move on? But I, I agree. Like it's, it's hard, it's hard to express like how much, like all these little things within the company, like learning about the machine that builds the machine that builds the machine, um, like seeing, other people, and it's not just you guys now. I think a lot of other people are seeing it. You know, you can see it in SpaceX. We're getting like tours of what's going on inside SpaceX, uh, and they're building Starship. And then even getting those interviews with Elon, you know, you're really seeing like how this is such a different company. And, you know, whether people are kind of oblivious to that or not, I think the people who are really searching out like trying to get deep into Tesla and not just scratching the surface. And I do keep talking about this. There's a lot of people who haven't scratched the surface of what Tesla is. Um, and like, once you start scratching, like it is, it's like, it's such a transformational company. It's very that I think, a deep dark hole. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's so deep. I mean, and yeah. I really feel like Tesla and SpaceX are going to be the blueprint for like a new generation of companies. I mean, there's like almost no doubt because it's just so much more effective. It's like, like the software industry in the last 20 years has transformed because of agile methodologies. Um, just the rapid iteration of like just products, like just seeing Tesla, like it's, you can see it in Tesla software that when you buy your car, and like I got our first one in 2018 and it still feels fresh because the software has been updated. Um, there's just so many of these little intangible things that happen when you move to this agile methodology that like it just obsolete, it just puts everyone else, it just makes them obsolete. So that's my thinking. Um, and that's yeah. the Tesla advantage. So, yeah. Mike, any thoughts? And uh, if if not, then uh, maybe kick us off with the next topic. Uh, just I just love the what they call it, the DSM, the digital self management. I absolutely yeah. love that. Like, I I wish I had that like at every job I worked. You know, it's like I want to know like how much profit did I make for the company today? You know, and how how does that compare to yesterday? And and what are the biggest you know what are the biggest problems? I always had to go to the manager and ask like what should I be working on because I had no idea. But the DSM just eliminates that and. And I, like at Tesla, like everyone could be the manager. Like it just, they just take turns every day or something. And it's like the manager's just there for like regulatory reasons or something. And, and like everyone's just helping each other. And the manager's like, just kind of keep an eye out, make sure, you know, people get help when they need it, that they're looking over. And, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just such a beautiful culture. I, I love it. Um, 
I hope other companies copy that. But yeah, let's go to the next one. Okay, Mike, what, what do you got for us? Um, well, we already talked about this kind of uh, the test of helping with the aging population, making people want to have kids. So um, also the other question was, will out of work taxi drivers, et cetera, um, or just anyone who loses their job due to automation turn into like the Luddite movement uh, back in the day when, when they were uh, tearing apart new technology because it was they were worried that it would um, put them out of work and, and make them go homeless and stuff like that. Um, and if that happens, who's going to stop? Like, how do you stop the vandalization of Tesla bots or, or uh, robo taxis, stuff like that? How, how will that work? What do you, guys what think? Do you think? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously there's cameras everywhere, you know, so, so you'd have to wear a mask, but, but I don't know, like people can just put on a mask and go vandalize things. And, and like, you can like increase police presence or whatever, or like, or like, you could have some passionate people or whatever that, that follow, you know, the, the people who did the crime and try to, you know, hold them accountable or something, get them um, arrested or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know how that works. It's, it sounds complicated. Cause usually I hear like, you know, like you call the police and they show up like three or four or five minutes later, by then they've the scene and it's too late, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think you got, it's a risk. I mean, like maybe that's the one good thing is if Tesla is owning, like let's go back to the robo taxi situation. If Tesla, you know, if certain percentage of the cars are Tesla owned and operated, you know, then Tesla can manage that whole problem. But if it's an owner's car, you know, you, you are responsible and you're going to have to manage that yourself. And so I, I feel like, it, it will be sort of a pain point, but you know, that'll be sort of, uh, it's just a financial decision that you have to make. It's like, okay, I'm spending this much on like maintaining, repairing, or like, you know, resolving these issues that someone else's caused um, versus like how much I'm making off of it. Um, yeah, it does bring up some interesting issues like, um, I mean, I guess we do have some anti, like there are security um, parts of the car right now, right? So you got sentry mode. I mean, I wonder if that's adaptable to like resolving some of those issues as well, right? Like I would think it would be hard for someone, if you go back to the uh, Optimus situation, it might be hard to vandalize the Optimus really well because it's, it's got cameras. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I imagine it's probably gonna have cameras on the back of its head too like just so it can be fully aware of all of its i mean it's just like in the same sense our cars have eyes all the way around its body so i imagine the car will i mean the ro the robot will as well um so i'm not too worried about optimus the car situation the robo taxi situation putting my own car in a robo taxi situation yeah I, I do have concerns but you know i think it's just gonna end up being a financial decision Hans, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely think this is something that Elon thinks about, and that's why he's talked about things like UBI, um, is because, you know, on the one hand, like there's just this massive societal benefit to being able to provide these services at a much lower price point than they exist currently. That doesn't 
negate yeah the human empathy that we feel for the workers who are now displaced by that um so yeah i think that's the inclination towards something like ubi or you know even if it was something that was specifically targeted i would not be at all surprised if elon did have some sort of initiative to try to provide people that are affected by that with something productive that they could do um yeah i don't i think it's a huge risk i think that it's something that tesla is not ignoring and that i think that there's a very significant likelihood that they'll apply their problem solving um, energy to that specifically uh, especially if it starts to you know not that they're sensitive to media coverage um but they are sensitive to doing the right thing. And if this just raises the awareness of a problem to a, another level, that it will be something that they devote resources to. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on the issue. I really, you know, as far as what the actual solutions can be, I kind of would be at a loss. I think that would have to be something that would just need some actual agile iteration to try some things and see what they can do to work it out. Um, but yeah. I think that's where I'm at on what I foresee there. And I also think that that's, you know, that's a much larger problem that affects a lot more companies than just Tesla. And so it's also an opportunity if they can create some innovative solutions in that area that there's a lot of value that they can provide to society in whatever solutions that they can, they can create there. What yeah. if I had an idea, just real quick. What if they like tinted all the windows so you couldn't see if there were people in the car or not? And some of the Tesla, you know, see if there's a car, if there's a person in the car, it might be the owner. And the owner would obviously get out and say, hey, you just, you just vandalized my car. And so there'd be there's this fear of getting caught. Um, or then I also like your idea of maybe Tesla, uh, if there's no UBI still, um, them kind of making, uh, giving them some uh, money for temporary period of time while they you know get back on their feet after losing their job or something i don't know what are you saying Fazat? sorry robin did you, did you want to say something so i think with ai coming into prominence as much as it is um we're gonna see more and more of these like disruptions like if you've seen if you're familiar with gpt3 it's like a it's an ai engine that can basically take an input and like generate a whole bunch of stuff. And it can do things like um, generate like wiki, like wiki pages and it can generate software code and stuff. But I mean, it's not at the point, but it's getting to the point where, you know, we're gonna see more and more disruptions of AI taking over human stuff. But I think, you know, if you're talking about production, um, there is, we have um, sort of, uh, I guess, prototypes that we can rely on. Um, like if you think to like Star Trek, like those kind of worlds where production is not an issue, right? Like those societies are, they're virtually socialist societies where they're, they're not making money, right? You're not, you don't have an income. You're like, you're at a point where you can just say, oh, I want food. And then the, 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 the starship generates it for you, right? Um, Tesla bots kind of similar. Like if you have enough of them, you can basically produce stuff 
without any cost except for what cost it took to make those resources. And then if you think that Tesselbot could eventually be in charge of harvesting those resources, then your only like your only cost there is power, right? And if so Tesla's generating all this power free from the sun, you've got power for free, you've got labor for free, you've got manufacturing for free. So basically what is it costing you? Like, does it make sense to charge money for that? Because the reason we charge money for things is because I built this and I want to be returned for it. I, I want something in return for it so I can do something else with that money. But if no one's doing that, right? If everyone's just sitting there running robots and the energy is free, the resources are free, what does what does an economy even mean anymore? And I think he's even said that. He's like, yeah, like, Tesla bot with Tesla bot economies might not even make sense anymore. So, you know, it does seem like if Tesla bot Optimus gets to that point, you know, like, are we looking at having a regular economy anymore? I, I don't know. I mean, if it's super capable, if it can do as many things as people can do, society changes. That's the only thing that can happen. So I don't know. Yeah. It, just to, to build on that point. Um, Thomas Sowell's book, Basic Economics, you know, his central theme throughout the book is that an economy is the method by which we allocate a set of scarce resources. So if all of a sudden the resources are not scarce, then it really does change all the normal roles of current economics. So, yeah, and I think that's, like you said, that's the point that Elon's been making, like what is an economy if goods and services are abundant and essentially free. So I think Elon getting into the, um, let me see if I can bring these two things together because this is exactly where my brain went to. I think the reason why Elon getting into the Twitter and politics game is exactly in preparation for that transition. And so let me try to walk you through it, okay? So in a world where full self-driving and robotaxis taking drivers away, okay? driver jobs are going away in a world where the bot is replacing labor potentially. Okay. And you think about the political landscape that exists, how easy is it going to be for one side to say, look at the richest, richest man in the world who's creating things to take away your wages away from you. Okay. He is taking your jobs away. He's taking your money away. What are you going to do about it? Okay. So that the point that Mike made around the vandalism and how much potential things are going to come down the pike because of that, I think are are very, 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 very real. And I think it's going to be part of the transition to going towards that end game of of that of that. What is the economy at that point? I think the transition is going to be very I, I'm probably very pessimistic on it. I think it's going to be freaking ugly. I think it's going to really, really be really, really ugly. And it's going to be extremely easy for one side to make, if you thought Elon was an evil person now, just wait, like just wait and, and see how they paint the guy when he's trying to, he's trying to get us to that point of plenty for everybody. But as that transition happens, there's going to be some replacement of labor and displacement of labor, and they're going to paint him in a specific way. Okay. And I think the Twitter acquisition and him getting into politics more now is in preparation for that transition. I think Twitter is a way for him to 
to uh, try to uh, push his truth, whatever that is, what what the goals are, and trying to become more politically active is a way for him to say, hey, like, I'm getting ready for this. Like, I know this is coming. Okay, I know this is coming and I'm getting ready for it. So within that context of us moving towards a more automated future, these two things make perfect sense, perfect sense. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, because that's that's kind of where my head goes when we talk about this topic. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's a good point. Oh, you go first, Sherman. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, like the if he got deplatformed or something like that, and he just lost his ability to 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 defend himself, uh, to to share who he is, um, and and let people see, you know, like let the sunlight shine on him. Um, if if he lost that opportunity, then yeah, he, people would be a lot of people would hate him. Um, and the Luddite movement, I think, lasted like ten years or something. It wasn't like a short thing. Um, it was it was brutal. People were dying and. Um, stuff was being destroyed all the time. Um, and like, if that happens again, that, I don't know, it's like, I hope that so much money will be generated or saved. I'm not sure how you'd put that, but so much money will be made, uh, that there'll be enough to share with the people who lost their jobs. And, and so it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be so scary, um, but I could still see a lot of people saying, I don't want those Elon bucks or whatever and and uh, and getting upset about it. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it might even turn into something that's more fundamental. Like, let's say he's running robotaxis and robotaxis are now free, right? So suddenly, you know, this company is providing a service that has no cost associated with it. Um, you know, it, it might just get to the point where you know, like Tesla's giving out cars for free or something. I don't know, like, or providing services for free because that are enabled by like the, by Optimus, right? It's like, you know, if, if you can have restaurants that are like serving food and like the food is picked by a robot and the food is served by a robot and prepared by a robot, and it's just as good as anything you could get anywhere else and it was free, you know, like suddenly it's like, like that's the kind of thing that you need to do if Tesla bought, if Optimus is taking over, right? It's like, you can't charge for those things anymore because you've just, it's free to you, right? But some, but some people are going to lose their ability to buy anything, period, right? So if, if you're replacing yeah. a job that's 40000 a year, food is like, like 10% or 20% right. of your budget, right? So where's the other 80%? So that still gives uh, uh, a uh, attack vector, as, as he likes to call it, that's gonna say, the reason why you're not making money anymore is because Elon took away your job. Oh, and by the way, he's pocketing the entire, your your paycheck in his pockets, right? Yeah. And, 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 I, and I hate to be the guy that's drafting the freaking political agenda for whoever wants to attack him, but like, it's so obviously gonna happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Here's my just thinking through the the mechanics and the underlying like math of it. Um, if there's a nonlinear, you know, an elasticity of demand that is nonlinear, and that reducing the cost of a good or service does more than double, so quadruple, maybe 10x the amount 
of demand that there is for that product, then you're able to generate, you know, as long as you can maintain good profit margins, there's a, a very real potential that in growing the TAM of that good or service that you generate a surplus profit that far exceeds the original um, size of the, that market, whatever it was. <clears throat> so I think if they, if they tackle goods and services where that is something, you know, that that dynamic is true of that market, that they can reasonably and mathematically afford to literally pay all of the displaced workers a salary based on the wages that they lost. Um, now, should they do that? Will they do that? That I don't know. I'm just talking about like, this is a realistic possibility based on the amount of money that is being generated. And I think that with a large enough amount of free cash flow and coupled, and this goes back to your point, Farzad, is uh, distribution of messaging that as long as Elon has secured a forum that he can communicate directly with people and he has a large enough amount of free cash flow, you know, I mean, history has shown over and over and over and over and over again that you can win people over to your side with free stuff literally every day, all day long. Um, and yeah, so, and, you know, maybe what it is is that instead of providing people with the direct monetary compensation for the job that they've lost based on a new product that you've brought to market, maybe you just provide them with all the goods and services that they would have bought with that money instead. And, you know, you're, you're already entering into those markets and providing those services. And so maybe, oh, you're a displaced worker from the service here. You, you get to participate in this market that other people have to pay for at this point in time, but you get it for free. So, you know, I think there's a lot of first principles um, leeway to, to create solutions there. Yeah, I would just, yeah, I like what you're going there, where you're going there. I think actions speak more than words. So like if he does things, that's going to speak a lot more than like saying something on Twitter. But I mean, I, I do agree that like having that as well um, would be ideal. But yeah, it's so hard to figure out like his motivations with Twitter. But I, I, I think it's an interesting take. Well, like Farzad said, like this is definitely something that Elon is thinking about and we've you know, seen over and over and over again, he's, he's planning so far in advance, like the announcement of Giga Nevada back when the entire world's battery production was 30 gigawatt hours. He's like, yeah, we're going to make a battery plant that is the whole size of global battery production just here in Nevada. Um, that, speaks to so like we don't have to rely on speculation that this is the type of thinking that elon does like he's shown this over and over and over and over and over and over again and so you know when we think about even you know raw materials is one of the things that also kind of keeps me up at night a little bit thinking about like 
how the heck are we going to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy when we don't have the capacity in the supply chain to, you know, yeah, there's plenty of lithium in the ground, but there's not the method for extracting and converting it into usable battery materials. And so like, that's nerve wracking for me, but oh, wait a second. Yeah, like Elon knows that. He's got way smarter people than me that he's talking to on how to think through those problems. Um, so yeah, I think that this is exactly falls under that same umbrella. And, and like, I, I think that Twitter is, you know, he's talked a lot for a long time about thinking about what the economy and the government will look like on Mars too. Like he's got to think through all that. And so, you know, these are first principles problems that he has to deal with regardless of what happens here on earth, but having to think through those problems for Mars also introduces him to those dynamics sooner than other people are thinking about them. And then when stuff happens, it's like, Oh yeah, like I've already been thinking about this for 20 years now. Like let's start trying this, 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 and this. Yeah. I could see that. I could see them using, uh, I could see him utilizing Twitter to, to kind of extract the best ideas of how to solve these human problems. Because human problems aren't, I don't really consider them a first principles kind of problem. I'm sure we're made out of atoms and stuff, but, but our, our psychology is, is it's better. I think it's better thought of as a different kind of thing, a different kind of problem. And, and that's where, that's where kind of Twitter will become kind of this, I mean, it already is kind of this, but it's like a hive mind of ideas, right? And we'll be sharing, and the best ideas will surface, and and hopefully we'll we'll um we'll get through this uh, uh difficult time as people transition to to like the age of robots. <laughs> Democratizing problem solving <laughs> is Twitter. I think yeah. I think the other thing too is like we've seen Elon do incredible things with non-scaled, limited cash uh, environment. And now we're entering an age where Elon's gonna have fully scaled and an ungodly amount of cash at his disposal. What is he gonna do with that? You know, he's already been able to achieve incredible things on a shoestring. And now we're transitioning to Elon with all the resources he could ask for and then some, you know? I think I think that, like, have we seen yet what e- what that Elon looks like? I don't know if we have. The bot might be like step one, but like what, you know, I have this like theory that he's going to get into like the habitat game, you know, like he's going to build habitats where you're going to be able to like have a thousand people on those habitats. It's going to be perfectly uh, weather controlled. Uh, no weather can ever bring it down, uh, you know, 80 degrees and perfect every single time. And then you're going to build those things in super remote areas. And then people are going to be able to like live in these incredible, uh, I don't know, in the freaking middle of the Grand Canyon. I don't freaking know. And they're going to be like just in a perfect bubble and they're going to have Starlink internet and they're going to figure out how to freaking pipe in water and blah, blah, blah. Like that's what's needed for Mars. Right. So like, what does that look like? You know, and and I think all the things that we're talking about within this within this context is like, it, it's no no thought is too impossible with a person that has that kind of team around him with essentially unlimited resources. The sky is the freaking limit, you know. And I'm trying so hard to temper my expectation, but we haven't seen what that looks like yet. We literally haven't seen it. it Tesla just became super profitable a year ago, 
you know, and they're just starting to build out what those possibilities could look like from a bot perspective and whatnot. So I don't know. And I'm curious, like, like, am I thinking about, am I thinking about the future of Tesla and his companies in the right, through the right lens, unless I'm thinking about him in that position? Like, am I still, still thinking too small? And I'm constantly asking myself that question at the, at the danger of sounding like a lunatic, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but at the same time, like if there's somebody that's going to be able to achieve that, I feel like it's a person like him, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in a future that is changing at an exponential, not linear rate, like the only way to think about the future realistically at this point in time, it's impossible not to sound like a lunatic. Like if you <laughs> are able to realistically predict what the future looks like today, I guarantee it will sound absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, the reason it sounds insane is because you, you bring up an idea of habitats in the middle of nowhere. It's like, do you know the cost of all the work it would take, all the labor it would take to, to transport all the things and to maintain that and yada, yada. And it's like, well, if labor becomes super duper cheap, that's not a problem anymore. So we have to, right. we have to change our entire mindset. Just think, just think, okay, the, the world is made out of matter and we have energy coming from the sun and the, the the energy can be used to transform the matter into pretty much any shape we want we could have like we could have like huge swaths of, of just uninhabited parts of the world just multi-layered buildings of just like climate controlled perfection and people living in vr i don't know like the, the world can get really crazy really fast and and people say oh well, not in my lifetime but i'm like it could be though you know you don't know that physics says it's possible yeah exactly Exactly. And you have a guy who says, who thinks at the limit of physics, right? It's like, is it physically possible? And then what's the right thing to do? Uh, I think, you know, like if it were someone who didn't exhibit signs of like thinking like, like for humanity, I would be worried, but like for him to be sort of this person who can think like at first principles level and like where reality is basically the limit physics is the limit and then to also have like a human side to it where he actually cares and you know a lot of people debate about that but like i mean if you really follow him it's pretty clear that like he is not being like selfish right it's like he's not the one buying you know, hundred foot yachts. He has an airplane, but he has to go places, right? I don't know. So this actually brings up a, <clears throat> I, I have this weird belief, or I think it's a very realistic po possibility that I would put it maybe not probable. I wouldn't say it's 50% likely, but I'd say maybe 30% likely that Elon does not accept another compensation package that he is going to continue, like he's basically, he's already the richest person in the world, right? That I don't think in his mind, he views increasing his personal wealth as a net benefit to his missions. I think it actually is a net cost. Like for every order of magnitude that he increases in personal wealth from here forward, he has a massive reduction in his um, public perception. And so I think that he would prefer to use all of that capital towards it, 
advancing his missions um, and then doing that. I mean, he's already got control of the money as the CEOs of these companies and he's got control of how it's spent. So it doesn't need to be personally attached to his finances um, for him to be able to do the things that he thinks are important with them. So, yeah, people have talked about that. I think that, um, you know, there's, there is a level at which investors would like to see it because they want to know what his goals are and like the clearest way to see his vision for Tesla in the past has been, okay, look at the CEO compensation plan. So I don't know if there's a way, like if he's just planning to provide that clarity with master plan part three. Um, Yeah, I I think that that's a very realistic possibility. And um, I I came to the same conclusion. I was like, like at this point, does he have enough money to do what he needs to do, right? And like you said, I mean, it's hard to think of what he would do with his own personal wealth. Like he was able to use it to purchase Twitter, but at some point, you know, I would think that he would achieve most of his goals through the company itself, right? Through his companies themselves. And it just didn't make sense to have Tesla buy Twitter, right? Yeah. But like it would have been a lot safer if like he could have used one of his other companies to say like, Oh, we're buying Twitter and this is how it's going to make sense. But they, there's just no way to make that work with Twitter. Um, so well, like if, if he, the stock price, I was just going to say if the stock price 10 X is from here, like his existing amount of shares is already going to give yeah. him just an ungodly net worth. Um, and so, yeah, like he's already got enough to do any of those like, personal projects that he finds important um and you know the number of people that like he just needs to make a few phone calls and yeah he had to put up like a little bit of margin loan to get the ball rolling on the deal but like he followed that up with enough personal relationships that he had with people like hey I'm, i'm gonna invite you into this deal and like people are just jumping in on it so yeah, like it's not something where he's going to need that for any of his kind of ancillary projects. Um, That's a great point. So, yeah. But I think that thinking about like Elon has all the resources available at his fingers to accomplish his missions. And then, yeah, like, so maybe he does back to Farzad's point, like starts building these habitat communities. It's like, okay, your job got displaced by one of our, products here we're going to invite you come be one of the first people in our teslatopia which i hate that i just coined that term actually uh, feels gross um yeah forget that not no teslatopia i I don't want to live there but um yeah like he he could totally say hey you know you used to drive a truck and you made eighty thousand dollars a year transporting stuff all around the country and like that was a super necessary and need like we need so many truck drivers right now like who wants to go start a truck driving career when it looks like five years from now you're not going to have a job so like he could totally say hey you know come drive trucks for tesla or we're going to find something else you can just like going back to the point that we were talking about earlier Elon's companies and methodology of doing business allows people to unlock so much personal potential that they had. And so, Hey, like if 
being displaced gives you an invitation to join the company and you get to experience that. Like, you know, on the one hand, it seems like an incredible problem, but maybe it's honestly like the biggest opportunity that they've ever received. You guys just blew my mind with the fact that he wouldn't accept the compensation package. I mean, the implications of that are pretty, pretty spectacular. I mean, especially if he continues this sort of um, trend of him being in front of the lines and leading by example and working his ass off and then saying that, you know what, me having a stake in the companies is more than good enough. I don't want anything else for me. I want every single profit, every single thing that's generated by the company to go back into the company and potentially to the people. How, how do you der derail that? Like how that becomes an extremely powerful message to the rest of the world. You know, it's almost like a, it's a shield that he'll have that will protect him against the cause of his gr gr being a greedy person, being a evil billionaire, right? Um, now the question becomes, okay, wh how, so then how in, how in the world are investors going to be confident that there's an incentive structure in place for Elon to not, uh, for the company to continue to grow. But I think in the case of Elon, that's a separate story because Elon is very obviously not motivated by money, but do investors believe that? And do people that want to, uh, further the company's mission believe that, right? Um, that's freaking, I have to think through that more because that's that's such a fascinating outcome and it sounds likely. I, I think you're right. I think I think there is a definitely an above non-zero chance, an above zero chance of this happening. And it would be very, um, it would be, it would send a lot of shockwaves. And I'm curious that instead of the incentive structure being tied to you know, like like production, and then he would get X number of shares. I wonder how he could restructure a incentive program that somehow incentivizes, that somehow rewards either the workforce or the people, the population somehow. So instead of him getting paid, you know, him getting paid, say, you know, a hundred billion dollars worth of stocks, the people who work at Tesla, you know, there's a pool and it gets boom, everybody gets paid this much. You know, so instead of him getting the money, everybody else gets the money. I don't know. It's, it's freaking, that's so exciting to think about. That's so exciting because his current compensation plan is up this year, I believe. I think he's going to hit every tranche and this year it's it's done. So like, we'll know this year if this is the case or not, you know? I don't think they'll just won't say, nah, I don't think it's going to be like, nah, I don't need a compensation package. I think they're going to make this into a deal. Like, hey, politicians that hate me, look at this. I'm building out these things that are incredibly valuable for society, by the way, fits your agenda of a green future. And I'm doing it for free. <laughs> okay. I'm doing it for free. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's super fascinating. I don't know yeah, if you guys have any go, more thoughts yet. Like if you think like of his, what he already has, right. Benefits if the stock increases, right. So if he does, if the company performs, he's already getting a reward. So he's yeah. already incentivized because he owns so much stock. Like, like the same way we're all incentivized to buy Tesla stock. It's like, we see a future, we want it to grow. So like, yeah. But I it's think, so anti it's, like the human experience of yeah. like, I want more. 
You know, like every yeah. single other person in that seat in the history of mankind is like, no, more, like more, more, right. you know, more, more for me. And this is but like, so now I'm good. character for Elon. It's yeah, so that's true. character for Elon. It is. Yeah. And, and like, I feel like his, his whole goal is like, I want to get people to Mars. I want life to be multiplanetary. I want the earth to not die out. Things like that. You know, I want, I want to, I want to see, to see humanity travel amongst the stars. And it's like, well, now I have enough. I have enough. You know, if Tesla's going to be successful, if, if Tesla's going to hit these, you know, these market cap goals or whatever, then I will have enough to, to, to even if no one else wants to, I can, I can fund the entire Mars thing. I could fund, you know, like, and then the Starlink is helping out. Like, we're good. You know, I, if that's his, if that's the math, I don't know if that's the math, but if it's enough, then he'll just be like, I'll, I'll just tell everyone that this is why I wanted the compensation plan. I'm, I'm doing this almost like philanthropic like out of love for humanity you know he says all the time yeah. he loves humanity so yeah yeah if you he said that i mean like if you think of tesla as a philanthropic company like it, it's so weird that people don't see that it, it's like like what else this company does make money it is a profit it is a for-profit company but it that makes it sustainable but at the same time you this what Tesla is doing is it's pulling carbon dioxide. It's preventing it from being burned, right? Like it's, it's just, it's so weird. I, I don't, I don't understand how people don't see it. Fascinating. Mike, you, you actually just made a point that caused something to click for me. And that's, you know, he's talked about the self-sustaining colony on Mars so many times and how many people that's going to take. And, you know, if he's got the money to, to scholarship people for tickets to Mars, like that could be one of those other subsidy things that we talked about earlier. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry you don't get to drive trucks here on Earth. Want to go to Mars? How's that sound? Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I think it's also going to be like he's got to be careful with that, though, because I think there there's going to be a lot of voices that are going to come out and say, this is like this is like indentured servitude, you know. Mm. He's got to be careful yeah, with that, that too. True. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh no, uh, you can't do anything here. I'm sorry, I put you out of the job, but here, I'll pay you to go to Mars, you know, or I'll pay you to do this, you know, like come live in my world. Oh, like we got to be careful with that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that is the opposite of like freedom. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like here's the yeah. carrot. So, you know, um, it almost has to be. It has to be a true like. It has to be done in a way so that the person has true freedom. Like, it's like here's fifty thousand a year. Do whatever the hell you want with it. Literally live your life the way you want it to. By the way, you have eight hours or twelve hours of your day back because you don't have to do that job. It would have to be sort of around that mechanism. If there's some sort of like strings attached, like come live here at this place or do this job or go to this place. I'm sorry I did this, but I don't know, man. I feel like that's almost worse. That's almost like a yeah. worse outcome because you're like, um, you're like. Because one could make the argument, well, you're on purpose doing this so you can pull a bunch of humans to do your bidding. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? It gets yeah, that's weird. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, okay, we're almost at the two-hour mark. Any any last thoughts from the from the crew before we wrap this sucker up? No, it was a super awesome conversation. I think yeah, that was good. This last half has been so so fascinating. Yeah, I absolutely love thinking about the future and what's what's possible if if we can just get past our our limited mindset based on 
based on analogy, reasoning by analogy, you know, thinking of what's possible in the past um, and just and just think about like what's physically possible if we have robots everywhere, we got solar panels everywhere, we got batteries stored, you know, like we, we transform the world and we can send people to Mars and do all these crazy stuff. Um, we just got to believe, you know, I love thinking about that. Yeah, likewise. I know that everyone says this already, Farzad, but yeah, just huge props to you for opening up this forum to be able to have this type of a discussion. I think that it does speak to the culture of Tesla that you came out of that, you know, um, you value diversity in a way that you demonstrate by actions, not just words like an invitation that we as just, you know, normal non-YouTube people can come on your channel and have a discussion and maybe potentially as crazy as it might sound, provide value to the community. Um, I, I had a blast. Like there's one other person that I get to talk Tesla with and we never get into these types of discussions. Cause like he's maybe a quarter of the way as deep into it as I am. And so mm-hmm. it's a lot of explaining things instead of actually opening up and like exploring new potential frontiers because you're at a level where you can kind of bounce off of each other at the at the edge of you know kind of discovering what what is true what's real what's possible so yeah i loved it it was awesome awesome that's very 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 kind words man thank you very much that's literally my exactly what i'm trying to do diversity of thought is super important and getting a uh, giving a getting some sort of platform or or, or, pl- or place where we can all play together for voices and ideas that uh, perhaps don't have the ability or like are you know like you said like they're sort of isolated and they're not able to really flesh out their thoughts um, out loud. I think it's super valuable and that's truly how you solve problems. Like you need to have these discussions to solve problems. Um, we're probably not going to get paid for it, <laughs> you know, once these people put it in place. But at the same time, who cares? Like, it's about it's about making uh, the future better. And if this is helping in any way, I love it. I want to thank you guys so much for supporting the channel and obviously being part of these uh, conversations. It's incredibly, it's super rewarding for me because I get to be closer to the folks that uh, value what I do. And uh, at the same time, it's I think we're coming together to truly, truly and and sort of in the same mantra that Tesla and other companies are are trying to do uh, in that matter, trying to make the future better. This is just my small way to try to make that happen and giving platform to those that want to also uh, potentially want to be part of that journey as well. So thank you guys very much for being part of this panel and uh, for whoever else that's out there that would like to join the panels. Um, these are my Patreon and uh, channel uh, supporters. So if you ever want to be in these panels, consider joining. If not, that's okay too. Definitely use the comments to throw out your ideas. You know, there's what's been really cool about the previous videos that I, I saw you, Rodman, I be- Rodman in the comments, I believe. There were other people from the other uh, panel as well that were in the comments driving the conversation as well and giving their two cents. So if you want to be part of the conversation as well, but perhaps not on video, go on the comment section. We're going to be very active in that. In that and, I, and I read every single comment as well. So I'm, I'm always very interested to see what, what people are saying. So um, thank you guys very much. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll see you again next week. We have another one uh, ready for next week and uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. We'll see you around. Have a great weekend, everybody. Awesome. Good job, guys. That was awesome. That second half was insane. So good. Dude. So good. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. Kind of good. Uh, so the question was, how, how did this come as, a, as an inspiration? 
uh, for me to do it. I'll put this like a, like a bonus at the end, you know, like a little bonus content, whatever. Um, the, uh, I, I was afraid. I'm always afraid of, 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 um, like bubbles, you know, like I'm, I like just entrapping my thought on under something. Okay. And then my thought process was, okay, I have this channel. And then all I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out what I'm thinking about and I'm trying to convey it out to people. And then I have interviews with people that are within the same sort of thing that I'm doing and I'm asking them questions and they're giving me answers and I'm trying to learn through them. But then I'm like, okay, but there's this entire like million, millions people community that are formulating their own thoughts, are thinking about things in their own way a lot of them are not in America and a lot of the things that we talk about are usually US centric too, right? So there, there's a lot of gaps. There's a, a lot of gaps in my knowledge. And there's also a lot of gaps in the conversation, I feel like, you know, uh, just because somebody's involved in the Tesla community and doesn't have a YouTube doesn't mean that their thoughts and their thought process and how they think about things, um, it should be somehow like hidden, like we should bring that to light. And I'm thinking, okay, so if if I'm starting to build out a, because my Patreon initially, what I did and my thing was like, literally my thought process was, I don't expect to get paid for any of this, but if you if you really do feel like you want to chip in a couple bucks because this is truly valuable for you, go for it. Like, I, I super appreciate that. And then as that was happening, I started seeing some of the stuff that was happening on Discord. I'm like, okay, cool. So like, it looks like we're building a community here. It's, it's pretty small. We have a small community, but there's going to be like-minded individuals and the people that are in that discord have really interesting ideas. So like, why not just bring everybody together and let's have a conversation? You know, like, of course, people are going to be camera shy. People might not have the best equipment in the world, but like in the end with, with, with YouTube or anything, like content is the thing that matters the most. People are going to watch things that they find useful and valuable. And I feel like giving a platform for people to be able to bring those forward is a net positive to move the conversation forward. And there's also this other thing too that, that tends to happen in, in, in the community, especially on YouTube. And the thing that I'm trying to avoid the most by far is that I don't want to like fall into this like sort of like well at the end you're going to run out of things to talk about so all you're going to do is cover the news right like I don't want to do that I'm trying really freaking hard to do that yeah sometimes I'll talk about what's happening in the news but like my main thing is like how can I f continually move the conversation forward like we need to move it forward we can't just like react to things and there's a lot of value in that I'm not saying like the stuff that Rob and Dave and all these other people do is not valuable it's extremely valuable and Dave especially he brings in like experts and stuff and he talks about it and he has a very unique viewpoint SMR has his own thing everybody's great but my thing is, if I'm really want to take this actually seriously, and I want to do a bring a lot of value to the community, I need to move the conversation forward. I need to move the conversation forward. And the, and in my opinion, the best way to do that is to essentially leverage the community to do that because you guys are the ones that are not not just like the YouTube creators. Literally, everybody is is consuming, thinking, and then trying to apply it. But but we don't have the luxury sometimes of being able to apply it because like you guys said, you don't, you can't really think through these things with other people because we're all in these little bubbles. We're all like isolated, you know? So this is my attempt to bring everything. It's, it's trying to leverage the, the Tesla community brain power to try and help the Tesla community move things forward. 
and think about things in a forward-looking manner and trying to get ahead of things or be prepared for things that may happen that might call, like catch people off guard. Like the, like the politics thing that we we're talking about, the vandalism stuff, like these are extremely important things that are going to be dramatically, they're going to dramatically shift the conversation on Tesla. And if this forum is able to give people a heads up that this is coming as an example, if we think it's going to happen, it, that's incredibly valuable because at least you have that in your head and you know what to expect if it were to come. And if it does happen, then you're like, okay, so the thought process that I took to get there worked so I can trust my gut and my thought process to help me predict things that will happen in the future potentially and emotionally prepare me and potentially prepare me from an investment perspective to be ready for this event to happen, right? So that's how I think about these things and having these conversations ultimately, are, I think are the best way to equip us with the knowledge to handle those situations. Super long answer, but that's that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> I hope no, that helps. That's great. Yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah. yeah. That, that resonates with me actually, because when I first joined the discord, I was like, I wanted to talk about Optimus. Like you had a conversation, you had one, um, like kind of the ones where you are online and you're just taking, uh, yeah. like chats. Right. And I was like, but, uh, you know, I'm like thinking about Optimus and like some of the things we were talking about today, I'm like, this is going to change the economy. And then I finally was like, okay, I got to get on Discord. And then like I put out a huge blurb about like my thoughts on it. And then it kind of ended. I mean, it sort of went somewhere, but like, you know, mm -hmm. it's not the same as like sitting, talking to you four, three, and then like like face to face and like brainstorming in real time. Yeah, it's, right. it's amazing. Right, great. Awesome. Yeah. That anyway. makes me very happy. That makes me very happy. Awesome, awesome. guys.